Well, good morning, Gateway family. And thank you, Ashley. What a great reminder. I hope you treasure the words, what she was just singing about God with us. Friends, what a blessing that is to know that truth is so real. And I hope you treasure that and cherish that truth. Now, first, I just want to echo what Molly said about Vacation Bible School. It is a fun week coming up. And we do appreciate your prayers for it. The Lord has given us this opportunity to invest the gospel in the life of these children. And so please, please be praying this week just for open hearts of the kids to the gospel, for just boldness of the teachers to proclaim it clearly. And just they'd have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to believe the gospel. And the Lord would just work in our midst this week. Well, we're continuing our journey through the gospel of John this morning. This is our 20th sermon of the gospel of John, not counting the Easter weeks. And we're in John chapter 6. One more week in John 6 next week. And we're, we're making progress on, through the book here. And as we begin this morning, I want to ask you a question. Think back to your childhood for just a minute. And when you were a child, did your parents ever have to repeat themselves to get your attention? Or were you the child who just one time heard it and that was all it took? Or did you have, your parents have to repeat over and over and explain in different ways to help you get what they were saying, right? Now, for those of you who are parents in the room, I think you understand that's the way all kids basically work. We end up repeating ourselves over and over again. I know with our boys, we can say something simple, go clean your room. But that doesn't seem to get through quite. So we have to say it a different way to them. We have to be like, okay, go pick up the toys off of the floor in your room and put them in the closet. Go clean the mess, put it where it belongs. Go straighten your... And over and over we say it. And finally we're like, do you not listen to me? Clean your room. We say it over and over in lots of different ways to help them understand. With that in mind, that's kind of what our passage sounds like today. Because Jesus takes something he's going to say, and he's going to repeat it nine times in slightly different ways each time to help us see what he is saying. Why is he going to repeat this, and why is he going to do almost what we would do with our kids of saying the same thing in many different ways and over and over again? Well, think of the context of what's happening here. We saw a few weeks ago Jesus did the miracle, the sign of the feeding of the multitude. From just a few loaves and a few fish, he feeds more than 5,000 men plus the women and children. But do the people believe after that sign? Do the people believe? No, they, they don't. They want to use Jesus. They want to make him a king to overthrow the Roman government, basically, and that. So they do not believe. When Jesus crosses, or the disciples cross the lake, there's a storm. Jesus walks from the water to them. They arrive at the other side. They're in Capernaum. The crowd follows Jesus. They're persistent. They get to the other side. He begins to teach them about the bread of life. But do they believe? No, they still don't believe. Even after that teaching, we saw that teaching last week because Jesus was responding. The people were like, what works must we be working? What works do we do? How do we work the works to earn God's forgiveness? And we saw last week that our spiritual need cannot be satisfied by anything we do. It can only be satisfied by remaining in Jesus. But do they believe once he tells them that? No, they still don't believe. And at the end where we left off last week, they were like, give us this bread. They were thinking just about their stomachs. They were hungry and they they wanted to eat. So they did not believe. And so Jesus is going to be kind to them and he's going to explain again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Nine different times today's text. This truth that they need to get through their heads and that we need to get through our heads also. So be turning to John chapter 6 this morning. John chapter 6. And as Jesus corrects them, he continues to explain, he continues to teach something that's going to be very helpful for us because Jesus is going to help them understand what it really means to believe to help them understand what it really looks like to have eternal life. So what does it mean to believe and what does it look like to have eternal life? We're going to be in John chapter 6, starting in verse 41. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? What a treasure we have to have God's words for us here. John chapter 6, starting in verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say I've come down from heaven? 
Jesus answered to them, Do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Verse 52, the Jews then disputed amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as the Father has ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this word you've given to us. And Father, we are thankful that you are the one who has sent Jesus to us to be the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins, but not just to forgive us of our sins, but that we might have life in him. And I pray today you would open our eyes again to the truth of your word and you would help us understand more of what it means to believe, what more of what it means to have eternal life. And you might transform us because of it, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. So what is the context of what's going on here? Well, in this text, John tells us at not the beginning, but the end. So we're going to start at the end today in verse 59. We'll go backwards. So in verse 59, here's what's happening. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Now, remember when he crossed the lake, when the disciples crossed the lake, and he walked to them in the midst of the storm, and the boat instantly appeared on the other side of the lake. That town was Capernaum. They crossed Capernaum, and it was there that Jesus had been teaching about being the bread of life. This is the same crowd that we're talking about. Though we split up this passage over several weeks, this is the same crowd that he was talking to last week about being the bread of life. This is the crowd, though, whose resistance to him is growing, whose opposition to his teaching is growing. And we see that back at the beginning of this section. So John chapter 6, back to verse 41. Notice their attitude towards Jesus is changing here. Verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. Their attitude and action was one of grumbling. The tense here is the perfect tense. It's ongoing action. Literally, is they grumbled and kept on grumbling and kept on grumbling and kept on grumbling. Does that sound familiar from the Old Testament? Think back to the Jewish people in the Old Testament. And they would grumble. God would do something. They would grumble and they grumble. And that seemed to be an attitude. And here it's being characterized by them. They had this ongoing attitude of grumbling. What does that mean? There's two things to grumbling. One, it means there's, they're discontent. Grumbling is discontentment. You don't like what's happening. You don't like what you've been told. And they don't like the fact Jesus has said, I am the bread of life. You can't work to get to God. Only I can satisfy you. They don't like that. So they grumble. But grumble not only is the attitude of discontent, it's also just a confused sound in a crowd. Think about a whole crowd of people who are grumbling and the murmuring that's going through it. That's both true here. You can imagine the sound after Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And the murmuring of the crowd, how can you say that? What's this guy claiming? What's going on here? We know Mary and Joseph. How can this guy claim to be God? And so Jesus then is going to respond to them. He's going to rebuke them, tell them not to grumble. 
but he's going to reiterate the truth. And again, he's going to reiterate it nine times for us in here. Now, as I was trying to make sense of this this week and studying it, I want to show you something that I normally don't show you, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff of looking at text. And hopefully it will show up there on the, on the pro presenter for us on the, sli- on the slide there. But as I took apart the text, I started noticing this common theme that got repeated slide after slide after slide. And Rod, is it able to get up there on the screen? Or? There you go. As you look at the text, they, you start breaking down. The same idea is repeated in lots of different ways. And this is what it looks like. He's going to begin by saying the same thing over and over in different ways. Whoever, you, one, anyone, he, everyone who. This is who it's addressed to. What are these people being called to do? They're being called to believe, to eat, to drink, to feed. Same thing. What are they being called to eat, drink, feed, believe on me? This bread, living bread, the bread, bread from heaven. My flesh, my blood, true food, true drink. And if they do that, what that happens? He has eternal life. He will not die. He will live forever. He has life. He'll be raised up. He abides in Jesus, and Jesus abides in him. There's a sermon. Ready for lunch? Okay. Yeah. But this is, again, if you think about to what parents do with kids when they're having trouble understanding, you say the same thing in different ways and different times to get it through. And what's Jesus saying? He's saying, you, whoever, you, one, anyone, he, whoever does this. And what is he calling them to do? To believe. But again, what does it mean to believe? You eat on him. You drink on him. You feed on him. But again, it matters who that person is. So it's me, this bread. These are all terms for Jesus. The living bread, the bread, the bread from heaven, my flesh, my blood, true food, true drink. All that in gray is reference to Jesus. And then again, you see what you get when you, anyone who does those things, anyone who believes in Jesus, the bread, gets eternal life, which means they don't die. They live forever. They have life now. They will be raised up. They abide in him and he abides in them. So let's try to pull all that together into one idea that we can then look at in this text. And here's our main idea from all of that for this morning's sermon. That's this. Anyone who takes Jesus into their innermost being experiences eternal life now and forever. Anyone who takes Jesus into their innermost being experiences eternal life now and forever. And I want you to see that in the text. We're going to start with that word anyone because again, we saw that was in the anyone, whoever, you, one, he, everyone who. We're not going to go through all this, but look at just one example of this. Look at back at verse 47 in our text today. Verse 47, Jesus says there, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Now, what does Jesus mean by whoever? Whoever. Anyone. The one, all that. And he clarifies that for us in verse 51 here. In verse 51, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world. Here it is. The life of the world is my flesh. This whoever is the world. It's anyone in the world who will believe on Jesus, because Jesus' message of being the bread of life is not just for one group. The Jewish people did not get that. They thought that they were God's special people and the blessing was just for them. These people who were trying to make Jesus their king to overthrow the Romans didn't get it either. They wanted Jesus to get rid of these other people, not take the message of life to these other people. They wanted to get rid of him. They missed it completely in there. What was going on here, though, is that Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life for anyone in the world, for criminals and the quote-unquote good people for people with a sordid past and for people who have a quote-unquote respectable past, for Americans, for people from other countries, for the in-crowd, for those who are alone, for the church and for the voodoo priests that Pastor Mark shared with in Haiti. He's like, this is for the whole world in this, for every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Remember, that doesn't lead to universalism. This is not just everyone in the world automatically gets what he's offering. It's anyone who takes Jesus into their inmost being, someone who gets what he's offering, which is eternal life. So I'm using this phrase, whoever takes Jesus in their inmost being. Sound a little bit strange, right? I'm changing it for a reason because there's terms we use so much we lose the, we lose the sense of wonder at it. And I think the word believe is one of those. 
We talk about believing, and we've been talking about believing for months now. I was working through John, and I think it's easy for us to lose what is really meant when we talk about believing. And so I'm changing that this morning to taking Jesus into our inmost being to try to help us think through what believing really as well. And I think we have the ability, the liberty to do that because Jesus did that. Think to last week's text. When he invited people to believe, he didn't just use the term believe. He also invited them to come, to leave their old way of life and follow him. He also described believing as gazing. Remember we talked about the Grand Canyon. When you see the Grand Canyon, you don't just stop and yawn and walk away. You gaze at wonder. That's, that's also what it means to believe in Jesus. You see him for him, and you see him in his beauty and majesty, and you believe. Today he's going to use the term eat, drink, feed. as all just synonyms for believing. And so believing is coming to Jesus. It's gazing at Jesus. It's eating. It's drinking. It's feeding. And I'm just going to rephrase it as, as taking him into our inmost being. Don't you see this in text in verses 53 and 54? In verse 53, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, eating and drinking here is a metaphor. So let's go back to elementary school grammar. Ever remember what a metaphor is? A metaphor is something that is not literally true, but it's used to describe something else. And so here he's describing something else, and it's a metaphor in the Jewish culture that is very common. Eating and drinking to the Jews meant taking something into your inmost being. Well, before we kind of start throwing a stone here and being like, well, Jesus, why didn't you just say what you meant? Why did you use a metaphor here? It would be a lot clearer if you just told us that. Friends, we use metaphors all the time to describe things on this. I'll hear people say, I live and breathe Alabama football. You won't hear me say that, but other people say that. I used, to, I used to say as a kid, I bleed orange and blue. Now, if I told people I bleed orange and blue, no one ever corrected me like, that is not literally true. Your blood is red. Why are they not correct? Because I knew it was a metaphor. It was describing that a lot of what I found identity in was related to football on that. How many people say, well, I live for Christmas? You don't really live for Christmas. It's a metaphor. Or, man, I would die to go to Disney World next week. I don't think you really mean that. It's a metaphor. Our language is full of metaphors to help us communicate things that are we, we want to communicate. And what are these typical metaphors we're saying? We're explaining what our desires are. When I say I bleed orange and blue, it's saying my identity is, is found a lot in Auburn football, which I'm not saying it should be. I'm just saying that's what that metaphor would mean on that. Or when someone says I live for Christmas, I would die to go to Disney, they're saying my heart's desire, my delight, what I want in my inmost being is that particular experience. And so when Jesus is saying, eat of me, drink of me, he's using a metaphor to say, take into your inmost being, look in the core of your heart and your soul, and what should you find? You should find me there. That's why we keep saying that belief is more than knowledge. Friends, the demons have knowledge of who Jesus is, but they don't believe. And friends, you could be sitting at Gateway every time these doors are open your whole life, have knowledge and be able to make a hundred in every Bible quiz, and still not Believe. Belief is gazing at Jesus with awe and wonder. It is coming to him, turning from our old life to a new life. It is in eating and drinking, taking him in the core of our being so that it changes us. It is realizing we belong to him, seeing ourselves first and foremost in relation to him. It is longing to obey him, longing to worship him. And don't miss this. Believing is enjoying him. Believing is enjoying his presence there. Look at verse 54. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Now raise him up on the last day. Well, again, Jesus repeated a lot of words here, but he's been talking about eating and drinking, eating and drinking over and over, and all of a sudden he switches now to feeds. Why does he switch? Well, in our English language, we lose some, some of the 
force behind this. this. The word feeds is continuous here. This is you eat and keep on eating. This is daily ongoing, his presence, not just a one-time thing. But don't miss this. The word here for feeds means to eat loudly with enjoyment, to munch. So again, if you hand me a piece of broccoli, I'm not going to feed in the sense of the word. I might swallow it because I know it's good for me, but I'm not going to be munching on it with enjoyment. Now you hand me a big piece of dark chocolate, and you take that bite of dark chocolate, and you're like, oh, this is good, you know. And then you start eating it, and you're munching. Nom, nom, you, know, you get that picture of your kids when they get their cookies, right? VBS, and they give the, kid, give the kids their snacks. And they're like, nom, 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 eating their cookies quickly. That's the idea of this word. It's munching loudly with enjoyment. What he's saying for us is, friends, belief involves not just head knowledge. It is feasting on Jesus, enjoying him, delighting in him to where we find our enjoyment first and foremost in him. And yes, it's important that the object is him is not just believing anything. An identity in football doesn't work. An identity in my kid's success won't work. My identity in doing good to others won't work. My identity in serving at church won't work. The object of all this focus has to be Jesus and Jesus alone. That's why I've said that anyone who takes Jesus into their inmost being, not anything in their inmost being, but Jesus alone in their inmost being, is the one who experiences eternal life now and forever. So I want you to see that Jesus is the object of our focus here. Look at verse 48. In verse 48, Jesus simply says, I am the bread of life. He is the only one who in our inmost being can satisfy us. And friends, what we believe about him matters. He won't satisfy us if we just believe he was a good moral teacher who lived a nice life to set an example for us. We have to believe he's God. He's saying, I am. He's making the divine claim like we saw last week to be God on that. But notice something else of what we have to believe about him to find the satisfaction. That's verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now this would have startled the people listening to him at the time. Flesh is a reference to his sacrifice. Go all the way back to John chapter 1, verse 29. That here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How does a lamb take away sin? A lamb was slaughtered, if you think of the Jewish sacrifices that people have been familiar with. Jesus is saying, unless my flesh is slaughtered, you're not going to have this eternal life. My flesh being slaughtered, believing on that is what will save you, what will rescue on this. So belief is not just believing anything you want about Jesus. It is real life believing in his sacrificial death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. But friends, for that person who believes in Jesus, who feasts on him, who delights in him, their life will be changed. Anyone who takes Jesus into their inmost being experiences eternal life now and forever. Like the word belief, it's a, when we talk about eternal life, it's a word we can miss the wonder of as well. We've been talking about it for weeks now. Eternal life is not just going to heaven, get out of hell free card. Eternal life begins now. And I want you to see just a glimpse here in this text of what eternal life includes. And there's three very identifiable things that eternal life includes for us. So if you're over these weeks are going, I don't get this eternal life we're talking about. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. John gives us really three examples of what eternal life looks like for us here. And the first thing he shows us is eternal life involves assurance. It involves assurance that we don't have to fear our eternal future. Look at verse 54 here. Jesus says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Again, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say... Whoever feeds feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and if I'm in the right mood, we'll raise him up on the last day. Or if I'm feeling good today towards you, or if you've done enough good works. No, he says, if you have done this, if you've believed in the way 
belief is defined here in Scripture. He's saying, you will with certainty be raised up. Not because of what you're doing, but because of what God has done. Jesus says, I will. I'm the one doing it. I will raise that person up on the last day. If that sounds familiar, it should, because we saw something similar last week. John chapter 6, verse 40. Back up just a little ways. Jesus said, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Jesus is good about repeating Himself, isn't He? He is the one who will do this. So friends, for a follower of Christ, there is assurance that if you have believed and you're being changed because of that belief, that you know that He is the one who will see you through and bring you to heaven one day. You see it again in verse 58 in this text for today. Verse 58, This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will, there's that certainty, will live forever. And so friends, believers do not have to, to fear facing death because of the promise of eternal life. Eternal life includes that assurance. But don't miss this. Eternal life also, beyond assurance of the future, eternal life is also transformation now because of my union with Christ. It's transformation now because of my union with Christ. Look at verse 56 here. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Me and Christ, Christ in me, ongoing. It's an, again, an ongoing tense. In Christ, we have his presence every moment of every day. Now, friends, think for a minute. If you were in college and had roommates, did you change because you were around your roommate a lot? A lot of people, as they lived with someone, they would start picking up the mannerisms of their roommates or their friends. Now, think to husband and wife if you're married. Have you changed as husband and wife? Do you not start noticing it and it kind of freaks your kids out when you start to say something the other one completes the thought, right? And your kids are like, that's weird, you know. Or you say something at the same time in the same way and your kids are going, that's just really creepy. That was like in stereo across the room here. You know why? Because when you're around someone a lot, it changes you. And friends, if being with a college roommate, hanging out just a few hours a week changes you and being married changes you, how much more should we be changed if Jesus is living in us and we're in Him, how much more does this... Because this is talking about His ongoing daily presence. Friends, if we have really believed, if Jesus is abiding in us and us in Him, we have His presence every day, shouldn't that change us? And friends, if we think we believe but there is no change, I would argue there was probably never real belief as belief was, is, is articulated for us here. And so eternal life, if you want some tangible things with it, is assurance of your eternal future. It is your life is being changed now because of Christ in you, but it's also strength to live for God today. Eternal life is strength to live for God today. Look at verse 57. As a living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Now the word live here is conveying something different than eternal living. This is daily living, human life now. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. You see that relationship. Now, whoever feeds on him, Jesus, that person will also live because of Jesus, will live today for it. That means this person finds life today, finds spiritual life today, finds strength for today. In the same way that Jesus found strength to do what he was called to do by relying on the Father. So, friends, eternal life now means strength from Jesus to love God, no matter what your circumstances are today. Eternal life means that you're able to love others no matter how they've wronged you, how they've offended you, how they've stabbed you. It doesn't matter. Eternal life means that you're able to love them even if they're your enemies because Jesus gives you strength for the day. Eternal life means you have strength for today to walk in holiness, strength for today to fight sin in your life no matter how strong of a stronghold it's been, whether it's anger, whether it's lust, whether it's something else. If you are in Jesus and you have eternal life now because of this type of belief, then you have strength and God's grace to fight that sin and your life be different from it. 
If you are in Christ, believing in Christ, what we're talking about today, this type of believing, then you have strength for today, eternal life today, to have joy in your trials. Even if you're walking through suffering, even if you're walking through difficulty, there's strength that God gives for today in that. And friends, that's when you think about Philippians 4.13. That's what that text is really about. I know we like to put it on graduation diplomas and frames and stuff, and we kind of misuse Philippians 4.13 to mean, well, I'm going to go hike that mountain. I'm tired. God, I have strength to do it. That's not what it's about. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That text is really about this, this eternal life experience, that in Christ I can do what God has called me to do today. It doesn't mean I can go get that touchdown in the football game. It doesn't mean that I can hike that mountain. It doesn't mean I'm going to make an A on that test of this. What this text is about is about eternal life and walking with Jesus. In fact, if you go back a verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, Paul says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, friends, this eternal life is really what Philippians 4.13 is all about, that because of Jesus and taking Jesus into our inmost being, we can experience eternal life now and forever. So with that in view, I want to ask you a question as we wrap up this morning, and that's simply this. Is that your experience today? Are you today, because of what God has done, because of this belief in Jesus, do you sense Jesus in your inmost being? Are your greatest desires and affections for him? Just like we would say, I bleed orange and blue. Could you use that metaphor and say, I believe Jesus because Jesus is so real in my heart? Some people say, I live for Christmas. Do you live for Jesus? Or I, I would die to go to Disney World. Would I die for Jesus? At your inmost being, at the core of who you are, at your identity, is Jesus there? And if so, is he giving you grace to love God today? Are you experiencing eternal life of loving others even in a difficult time? Are you finding joy in your trials? Are you finding the grace to conquer sin in your life because of what he has done? Because you have him abiding in you. Are you finding eternal life right now? Friends, if so, I want you to take a moment as we close today and rejoice and thank God for it because it wasn't of you. There's a lot more in this text than we have time to, to, to work through totally today. If we went through this at the pace to really go into his depth, we would probably still be in John chapter 2 this week, right? But I'd encourage you to reread John 6 and look at how much of this change of eternal life in your life is because of you and how much is because of God. And I can promise you it's all because of God. And look back through this and see that this is God's work. So friends, if today you're able to say, I believe the way John is showing us belief, the way Jesus is showing us belief here, that Jesus is in my innermost being, don't boast in it because it's not you. God's the one who's taught you that, as the text says here, is God's work in you. And so use this as an opportunity to rejoice and just praise God for his kindness in teaching this to you and opening your eyes to him. But friends, if not, like we've said over and over, the gospel of John demands a response. Why not? Why would you not respond to the offer of coming and gazing and seeing the one who created and put the world into being, seeing him in all of his beauty? Why would you not come to the one who will abide in you and give you eternal life to where in his grace you can have joy and trials, in his grace you can worship God, in his grace you can love others no matter what they've done to you, in his grace you can be killing sin in your life, in his grace you have joy no matter what. Why would you run away from that and keep running after the things of yourself? I just plead with you, if you've never believed, that's the way John believes, not just head knowledge, I invite you to come, to gaze, to believe, to feed, to see, so that you too might have eternal life. And like our text said, let me just wrap back up with this one again. Whoever you want, anyone, he, everyone who believes, eats, drinks, feeds, 
and me, this bread, living bread, the bread, the bread from heaven, my flesh, my body, true food and true drink. That person has eternal life, not die, will live forever, has life, will be raised up, abides in Jesus, and Jesus abides in him. And my prayer is that that is true for every single one of you. And if not, I pray it will be true of you today before you leave this place. And if it's true, I pray that you'll take that and use it to give God all the praise and rejoice and praise him. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for your grace. We just sang earlier about your grace, so glorious. And Father, it is a glorious grace to realize you've taken undeserving, wretched sinners like each one of us. Those of us who have mocked your name, who've lived for ourselves, been slaves to our sin, you looked upon us when we were not looking to you, and your kindness, you drew us. In your kindness, you turned us to you. In your kindness, you opened our eyes so that we might gaze upon your beauty. And God, we just give you praise for that work you've done in our life. Father, I pray for those in this room who are brothers and sisters in Christ, who have experienced that, who you've turned from darkness to light, who you've taken from being objects of your wrath, and you and your kindness have made them objects of mercy. I pray today you would remind them of the work that you've done, and they would give you great praise because you're the one who has taught them, as our text says. And I pray they would worship you because of that. And Father, if there's anyone in this room who's never trusted you, even if they've prayed prayers, walked aisles, been baptized, done all the church stuff, but never in their heart, they've never taken you, Lord Jesus, into their inmost being. Oh God, I just pray that you would open their hearts to, the, to you this day. As you've drawn so many of us, you'd be drawing them today to come, to leave their old way of life and to come towards you, to see you, to gaze in your beauty, to feast on you. And Father, for those brothers and sisters here as well, I pray for them and for myself this day that, God, our salvation in you would never grow old. God, that just as we fed on you at one point in time to where we believe the first time, I pray our life experience would be like what we saw in this text where we continue to feed on you, where we munch on you, where we are loudly enjoying your presence every moment of every day. And, God, if we have lost that, I pray right now through the work of your Holy Spirit, you would stir our heart affections for the things of you, that we would leave this place today wanting to enjoy your presence afresh and anew again. I pray that would carry us all throughout this week ahead. Father, I don't know where each person is in this room. Lord, I know as we live in this fallen world, as we live through the trials of life, there's people in here who are struggling with strongholds of sin that that they haven't been able to break. And I pray today they would see that, Lord Jesus, by taking you in their inmost being, that can change. Lord, I pray for those couples who are here today who have strife and conflict in their marriages and their home is far from a place that eternal life seems to be present. God, would you this day reveal sin patterns and they would repent, not just to you, but to one another. And God, their home would be restored to a place to where your eternal life fills and floods that home. Father, there's homes that are full of conflict between children and parents. I pray today that your transforming work of the gospel, this type of believing, would change those homes as well. Father, I don't know what's going on in each person's life here. But Lord, you do. You're the God who sees all, and we thank you for that. And I pray now you would take this truth of your word, and you'd use it to stir our hearts' affections for you, that we might be who you desire for us as your children to be, and we will give you all the praise for it. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song?